to Behind the Screens. I'm Ryan Preventure from Movio. I'm Simon Burton from Numero. And I'm Matthew Liebman from Vista Group. The box office is looking great, gents. You know, the domestic weekend box office cracked about 112 mil. It was 69% ahead of same week last year, which was Bullet Train. And it's at 84% of 2019 levels with Hobbs and Shaw. And when we look at August to date, sitting at 149.4 mil, it's outpacing every single year domestically in aggregate since 2016. So off to a hot start. Why don't we jump into the title, Simon, and you tell us uh, which are the individual films that are contributing to that outstanding August result to date? Yeah, thanks, Matt. The great results continue to, to fly. Uh, we're looking at Barbie to begin with in week four. That continued top position at the domestic box office with a gross of $33.7 million, only a drop of 36%, bringing its cum to $526 million dollars. Internationally, it's grossed a total of $657 million, bringing its worldwide cum to $1.18 billion, which slots it into the second highest grossing film this year so far behind Super Mario Brothers, which currently has a domestic cum of $574 million. Uh, and Barbie is currently $174 million behind Mario's international cum. That's amazing. And one of the things that we were just looking, talking to the data science team at Movio is how many people have seen both domestically. And it's sitting at about 17%. So almost one in five people who chose to see one of those two titles has gone on to see the second in all of 24 days. So the synergy is quite, quite amazing. Yeah, if we take a look at the Oppenheimer grosses now, also in week four, maintaining second position at domestic box office of $18.8 million this past weekend. Also, uh, a very admirable drop of only 35%, bringing its domestic cum to $264 million, another $385 million from the international box office, bringing its worldwide cum to $650 million. And Oppenheimer's domestic cum of $264 million is now Christopher Nolan's fourth highest grossing film behind Inception, Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises. So he's kind of burst through the Oscar titles in his collection dunkirk and so on and getting into the mainstream blockbusters with this which again for a three-hour talky biopic with a lot of black and white is a, a remarkable result so that were the two holdovers in one and two um how did the rest of the holdovers go and how did our one major new release go this week yeah why don't we touch on the one major release this weekend from universal pictures last voyage of the demeter opened a fifth position at domestic box office, taking $6.5 million from 2,715 screens. So kind of a tough result and, you know, everyone's a marketer, but I can't help but wonder whether the title worked against it. I, I saw a great meme online. It was just the movie poster with uh, the renamed title Dracula on a Boat and the line saying this might have earned a lot more if they just called it that. Um, from what I gather, it has sort of mixed mixed feedback. But Ryan, what were your thoughts? You you were the one of the three of us who saw it. You know, it's. It, I think the the difficulty is finding the audience for the film because it is sort of master com, master and commander meets Dracula, right? <laughs> and it's and that's not a bad thing. That's not a bad thing necessarily. It's it's a tension filled movie. You kind of know how it's going to end based on the title, of course. But uh, you know, they they take three pages of the book Dracula and turn it into a whole film. And they make a hero out of one of the characters, which I think they do a pretty good job with. So, you know, overall the movies, it, it, it's an entertaining 
bit. If you like Dracula and you like kind of these sorts of movies, it's very it's it's got historical sense to it. So you have to be kind of on that ride. So that might be appealing to a little bit of an older audience. But uh, honestly, I enjoyed it. Yeah, and I guess they did some great grassroots marketing, getting some um, positive word of mouth from Stephen King and Guillermo del Toro, who had some links to at least some of the filmmakers, if not the film itself. Uh, I, I hear there is a romantic comedy sequel coming out. It's going to be called Lovely Demeter. Mm. Having said that, um, it is a $45 million budget. It's another one of those ones where the audience, like you, Ryan, um, are liking it a lot more than the critics, 71% amongst the audience on Rotten Tomatoes versus 48%. I think this is um, maybe a bit of a time for reset. I'm not sure when we're going to see the next of the old-style monster films coming from Universal, given Renfield didn't do so well either. But they definitely have that that monster collection in their arsenal. So we can have a look at and what that might mean for production going forward. Ryan, can you tell us who went and saw Last Voyage of the Demeter other than you? <laughs> well, there were some people, and, you know, it's not terribly unusual looking at the audience. Uh, Talk to Me, uh, The Meg 2, Insidious 5, The Boogeyman, Evil Dead Rise. I, the Haunted Mansion was in there, which I thought was interesting. Renfield and The Pope's Exorcist. So there were there were a number of movies we could have compared this to. And I just wanted to kind of look at the the different audiences. So we actually looked at Talk to Me uh, to see where these kind of went against each other. And I think there were some interesting things. First, first of all, they came out around the same time, so we can we can kind of look at the the, the way the audiences have been behaving lately. And for Demeter, we're going to call it Demeter just to to make it easy for the discussion here. The infrequence for Demeter were 29% compared to 27 for Talk to Me, so very close there. Same with Occasionals, off by a little bit more, 35% for Demeter compared to 30. Frequence, again, were about the same, 33% for Demeter compared to 35% for Talk to Me. And the very frequence were 4% compared to 8 So what you did see is the people that really, really love horror films and go often to these didn't so much do it for Demeter, but they obviously did for Talk To Me. And I think we tend to see that on these kind of genre picks that you do find an audience that just they come back and see all of these. And we've had enough of them lately uh, to kind of see that number go up a bit. But what, what we did see was that it was it was a younger audience for Talk To Me compared to, to Meter. 18 to 24 was 9% compared to 22% for Talk To Me. 25 to 34 was 19% compared to 28%. 35 to 44 was 20% for Demeter compared to 17 to Talk To Me. So you start to see as it gets a little bit older, Demeter starting to see the audience. And 45 to 54, again, you're seeing a lot more here, 21% compared to 12. And the 55 to 64, 18 compared to 8. So what you're seeing is that because this is a movie, a sort of historical type thriller slash horror film, that tends to bring out a bit of an older audience. There's also no... There's also no big star power. I'm not saying the acting isn't quite good in it, but there isn't a huge star to help promote it, which in a way is kind of a good or bad thing with the SAG strike. It's hard to know. There there weren't necessarily a Harrison Ford to go out and promote the film, but uh, you, you also just didn't have the actors getting out there. And again, I think as weeks go by, we're going to see more of that and see if that's really starting to affect the audience. I think you kind of hit the glass half full angle there that they had no stars to lose. 
um, in terms of that promotion. But yeah, I think, you know, you've got a literary horror film. I think one of the things we've pointed out, and you've certainly done it with audiences, is that not all horror films are created equally. There are the small, young slasher films, the more literary ones like It and um, Get Out and so on, and then these ones in the middle. And so we can't expect people to come to every single uh, film in a given genre. They do need to make choices. And, you know, we looked at what Talk To Me did last week. Backing up again um, is is somewhat tough. Um, and we will talk in a second about what comes out next week. We've done enough over the years to see that is an overlap between uh, sort of slasher horror films like Talk To Me, raunchy R-rated comedies, and also those gritty R-rated superhero films like Deadpool. And we do have one of those raunchy R-rated comedies coming up. We'll talk about it in a second. And I wonder if those who saw Talk To Me might have seen the trailer for Strays and said, look, we're going to take a week off and show up for that in two weeks' time. I will say one thing, having seen a number of movies recently in the theaters, uh, Universal did a very short trailer for Strays, and it is on everything. They are promoting the heck out of it. So it's been it's been really interesting. It's just a really short trailer, and they just they're trying to get the word out. Well, fingers crossed, because we've been saying there's been a dearth of R-rated comedies. We did have a couple of them with Jennifer Lawrence's one, with Joyride. They haven't quite found the audience, we hoped. Um, you know, what with, with Strays coming from the people who brought you Ted, starring Will Ferrell and Jamie Foxx as two of the lead voices, hopefully this is the one that breaks through that R-rated raunchy comedy and finds an audience. Um, God knows I'll be there. Simon, back to you in terms of some of the other holdovers and, and anything you might be seeing of note internationally. Uh, yeah, the other two significant holdovers this past weekend were Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem in its second week, filling out the third spot of the domestic box office, grossing another $16 million there, bringing its cube to $73 million. Uh, another $22 million in cube from the international box office. It's still yet to open in Spain, Brazil, Australia, South Korea and Japan. So plenty more box office to come for Ninja Turtles there. And also Meg 2, The Trench, in its second week, was in fourth position at the domestic box office, taking $12.7 million, uh, a drop of 58% and it's cume at $54 million. Uh, but a very impressive $202.8 million cume from the international box office, bringing its worldwide cume over the $250 million mark at this point after the second weekend. So good result for that. Yeah, that's terrific. And, you know, the, the little Aussie title that could talk to me seems to be doing pretty well domestically. I see it's only down 19% in week three. It's at 31.3 mil. While it's the number seven slot, it was so inexpensive and they've already started to talk about a sequel. So that's uh, that's really positive as well. And a prequel was already filmed, so who knows where that would fall in all of this at some point. Wow, I wasn't aware of that. You're, you're, mm -hmm. You are our TikTok kid, though. Well, what was I don't know about prequel? that. What was the prequel called? Look at me? Look, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Look at me? Look at me? Well, it was it, it, in the sequels, Listen to Me. So, yeah. yeah. Got it. <laughs> I, I don't know if you, if, you, if you guys saw, but uh, Disney did send out a, a message about Elemental and how well it really did at the box office. And I thought that was an interesting way of just letting people know that holdovers are still really important. And although Elemental may have not opened to the, the numbers that Pixar had previously seen, certainly holding in there and getting close to or over 150 million domestically is, is quite the feat. Yeah, I mean, having seen it, I thought it was a terrific uh, Pixar film, probably not the AAA brand. For me, that's Ratatouille and Up and Coco, and I'm sure everyone else has their own list. But I did think it was harshly judged 
um, at least in terms of box office when it opened. Now that it's crossed 150 mil, it's starting to get where it deserves. Ryan, can you give us a look at the week ahead at the box office domestically? Well, we've got two, you know, again, very kind of different audience films. And I think we've seen quite a bit of this with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and the Meg. We had Barbie and Oppenheimer. Now we have Strays and Blue Beetle. I, one good sign that I think we've heard on Blue Beetle is that the the numbers are consistently getting higher on the potential box office for it, which is which is great to hear. I've heard nothing but really good things about the screenings of it, so that's a good sign for Warner Brothers. So we'll we'll see if it if it finds its audience. And Strays is is a very different kind of raunchy comedy, as you said. The, the summer has kind of been iffy on it, although No Hard Feelings did find an audience as it went along. Again, we've talked a lot about holdovers. Uh, Strays might have a decent opening, but hang in there for a while as well. So hopefully we'll see some really good box office for these. And as I said, you know, Barbie's going to continue to hold as is Oppenheimer. No, I hear, Ryan, that, that um, Strays is opening a little earlier with a particular promotion. Can you share what, what's going on for those outside well, the domestic market? Yeah, in, in America, Wednesday is considered hump day. It's the middle of the week uh, as you start to get towards your weekend. And they're doing hump day screenings. I won't get into why it's called hump day. You can figure that out for yourself. But they, they will be having some of those screenings on Wednesday here in North America. Brilliant. Hey, we've got a slightly different release schedule down here. And I was lucky enough to go and see a public screening of Gran Turismo based on a true story last week. Um what was interesting is uh, the the chains here were putting it on in the PLF screens during the day and unfortunately taking it out of PLF to put Oppenheimer and Barbie back in at night, which I guess makes commercial sense. But I was in a standard auditorium that was packed to the rafters uh, with a really diverse audience. And on the one hand, I guess you've got the, the PlayStation crowd and there were certainly some of those there. But in some ways, this is, you know, one of those sort of underdog sports stories. It's got a lot of Eddie the Eagle beats. I, I'm assuming... A lot of people could give every trope or every beat that's in it, but it's executed in a really good way. So hopefully when it rolls out the week after, um, it finds an audience up there. And I do think hitting that based on a true story won't alienate anyone who's played the game, but might pull some people who don't want to see a, a racing game and might be more into a biopic. I think they're certainly looking to have some some momentum of word of mouth because there are some screenings here in North America over the next couple of weeks to till the opening and I think that's what they're they're looking for people like you to say hey this is a really you know fun great picture go see it on a you know opening weekend and I think we're gonna hopefully hear that from some of the screenings that we've had here yeah fingers crossed um it definitely deserves an audience but we'll be able to check in on it in two weeks next week is all about blue beetle and strays until then thank you Ryan thank you Simon and thank you to everyone for listening to us on behind the screens Movio and Numero are two of the businesses within the Vista Group, the world-leading provider of technology solutions to the global film industry. For more moviegoer insights, be sure to visit movio.co and follow Movio, Numero and Vista Group on Twitter and LinkedIn. The Behind the Screens podcast is produced by Grace Furness and edited by Patrick Hanna.